The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Providing insight and resources for your spiritual journey. Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Main Street Vegan with hosts Victoria and Adair Moran. Victoria is an author, inspirational speaker, and a certified holistic health counselor and vegan lifestyle coach. She's here with her daughter Adair, a lifelong vegan and an actress, a playwright, and a stunt performer to entertain, educate, and inspire you on your journey to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth. Now let's get this party started. Here are your hosts, Victoria and Adair. Hey everybody, this is Victoria Moran. And this is Adair. And we are your hosts for Main Street Vegan. How wonderful to have you with us today. How's your day, Adair? Oh, it's fine. I'm uh, still recovering from a very, very long drive yesterday. We took a little trip to the country. How far is the country? Um, It's... Six hours if you don't hit a ton of traffic like we did, in which case it's eight. That's that's a lot. a lot of sitting in a car. Well, here in New York City, I've learned since living here that they use the phrase the city to apply to Manhattan Island, and anything else is something else, like the country. I don't think that's true. Brooklyn is the city. Well, I'm not... Not Staten Island. Staten Island isn't the city. No, I guess that's the country. But you were way upstate at... at, uh, Nick's camp, your husband's grandparents' place. Parents? Uh, no, place? it's his parents' little little cabin up on a lake. And the dogs loved it. The dogs loved it. Our one dog, uh, Tala, she loves to swim, so she thought that was a great time being up there on the lake. Well, it's certainly been hot enough for swimming. I hope everybody listening in has been staying warm and contributing to getting the weather back to normal by eating a plant-based diet. I did something interesting today, but it was kind of odd. I did a shoot for ABC's Nightline, and it will definitely be on the web, and it may also be on TV. I'm a little bit unclear with how it's going to work, but I've been talking with the people there for about 10 days on an idea that they had of what would the world be like 
if everybody went vegan? Do they mean all of a sudden or over time? Well, I'm not sure exactly what they meant, but it was this kind of science fiction ideal of what if everybody went vegan? So I gave them all the information that I could come up with, and then they said, well, we think maybe we'll just say plant-based. I think the V word was scaring them a little bit. So I made my case for why I love the word vegan. For one thing, people can finally pronounce it. After all these years of being called a vegan and a vegan and other things, we finally have the word. We've got all these celebrities and an ex-president and, and all of these scientific journals who do studies and they say, and we put 17 subjects on a vegan diet. So I don't see why we should lose it now that we finally got it. And so, you know, they were very nice about that and, and considered that. But then today, when uh, we all showed up for the shoot, and we did shoot at the Integral Yoga Natural Food Store in Greenwich Village, which is so cool because it is a vegetarian natural food store. So they have no meat, fish, or eggs. They do have dairy products. But in keeping with yogic principles, it's a whole vegetarian store. And that's why they chose to shoot there. And that was very cool. But I have, oops, I hear my husband coming in, and we have dogs here. So if you hear barks. Oh, no, they're being good. That's what that is. Okay, no barks. Hold that thought. So anyway, the first question that this lovely gentleman from Nightline asked me was, and so you're a vegetarian. And you know what? That just really caught me off guard because I don't think about being a vegetarian anymore. you are anymore. a vegetarian. Well, I mean, I, I think you're a vegetarian and then some. Well, this is true, or we used to call it total vegetarian or pure vegetarian. But it's interesting. It just seems like every week some new celebrity goes vegan. You never hear about anybody going vegetarian. We got Chaka Khan yesterday, I read. Did you know about that? I did not know about that. She had been diagnosed with diabetes. She went on a liquid fast with green smoothies and juices, I think, for 60 days, quite quite a while, and uh, has transitioned into a completely plant-based diet. She is now in good health and carrying the message, as so many people are. But when the young man asked me today if I was vegetarian, I was thinking, oh, my gosh, yes. But when I wasn't vegetarian, I think Lyndon Johnson was president. I mean, it is so historic and goes so far back. And when he was asking me things about, but does this field roast really taste like roast beef? I'm thinking, do I remember what something tasted like 40 years ago? Yeah, they should probably have been asking a more recent transition. Yeah. And I think it's also like, are you really gauging veganism or vegetarianism by do the meat substitutes really taste like meat? Because that's not a very good way to gauge it. Well, you know, I think, and tell me what you think, Adair, that if somebody really wants to do this, they're going to learn how to cook fabulous food. I mean, we're going to be speaking after the break with a Fabulous recipe creator, John Slim. His latest book is Grilling Vegan Style. He's absolutely brilliant, so creative in the kitchen. We have so many wonderful vegan chefs and recipe people. So I think people either get really interested in in cooking or they find fabulous restaurants or they just are willing to be a little bit simpler with, with what they eat. And the idea of, okay, now I'm going to go to the store and I'm going to find some meat substitute that tastes just like what I'm used to, I don't know. That doesn't seem quite like um, 
what's realistic in the actual world of going vegetarian and vegan. Well, and I find it kind of weird. Like one of my favorite dishes to cook is a vegan quiche. I have a really good recipe for a broccoli quiche with tofu and you put it in a pie crust and it's really fantastic. But I remember having some people over and they were all kind of discussing like, well, you know, it doesn't really taste like a quiche, but it still tastes good. And I thought that was a weird criteria. I was like, isn't it just tasting good enough? Does it have to match this expectation of what you think a quiche should taste like? Well, you know, this is the problem that happens when we give things the same name of their previous dish. There's a wonderful radio guy in Chicago, John St. Augustine. He's been around forever. He was worked for Oprah for a long time. And he will never let me live down the fact that about five years ago, I was in Chicago, took him to dinner at a raw food restaurant. And usually raw food is fabulous. These gourmet places are are just out of this world. But he ordered something called a burger because he was looking for something familiar. Well, just think about it. It's not only going to be vegan, it's going to be raw. So it isn't going to be like a baked bread bun with a piece of meat on it. Yeah, that's my complaint about going out for raw food, too, is like if I order a pizza, I expect something that resembles a pizza. And if I get, you know, dehydrated flax crackers with tomato stuff on it, it doesn't mean it doesn't taste good. It still tastes very good. But to me, that's not a pizza. Well, there's just something about the name. And and John is, is so funny. Every time I talk to him in person or on the radio, it's always, okay, and you took me to this place. And I ordered this thing, and I think it was called a sunflower burger, and I don't think my dog would eat it. You know, and the truth was, maybe they had an off shift that day. It really wasn't very good. Yeah, but you got to admit, raw, that's like advanced veganism. That's not vegan 101. No, this is true. Although, I have to say, I had a wonderful, wonderful raw dinner this weekend at Quintessence here in New York City. I went downtown to meet Sherry Soria, who is the founder of the Living Light Culinary Institute in Fort Bragg, California, that actually trains raw food chefs and and raw food pastry chefs. And, oh, my goodness, the things they make are just extraordinary and fabulous. But I think it's kind of like ethnic food, you know? A lot of people need to be gradually introduced to ethnic food because some of it looks pretty weird when you're not used to it. Yeah, I think, I think that that's food true. is a little like that. It's good. You just have to be open to trying something very new and different. Well, we had brunch. We had bagels and cream cheese and banana bread and almond butter. And this was all raw, all dehydrated. It was, it was really incredible. If you would like to call in and speak with us about raw food, cooked food, the grilling that's going to come up later, or any other topic in the wonderful world of vegness, give us a call at 888-558-6489. We would love to talk to you and answer any questions that we possibly can. So what do you think, Adair? Back to the Nightline people. Their original question What would the world be like if everybody went vegan? How would you envision that? Well, I would hope that it would be something that would happen gradually because I think it wouldn't work if all of a sudden everybody swore off animal products as much as I would love to see that happen. We'd all have to have pigs and cows in our backyards or, in my case, living room. (laughs) Well, and it would be a huge shift just in the agricultural system and the way that things work. But I think that if it keeps going at the rate that it's going... You know, if if we keep seeing this rise in vegans and this continued and and sped up and eventually everybody was vegan, uh, I think it would be interesting because I think you're right. I think uh, 
cows and chickens and pigs would probably be sort of a novelty that people had as pets in the country. Yeah, that's what I think. And what would be, I think, so stunning is how much healthier people would get and how health care would cease to be a crisis. And we wouldn't be worrying about how we're going to pay to take care of an aging population and all the obesity and all the diabetes. I think people would still eat junk food, though. I think just becoming vegan, did they just become vegan or did they all become health nuts? Well, I think most people, even if they're not really into health, they just get more into health. <laughs> Our wonderful uh, engineer is holding up some gummy bears for us. That's all right. It doesn't even look like food. Uh, but I think once you start doing this, you get more into health. The and way I look at it, we're vegan because we want to mitigate suffering, the suffering of animals, but also the suffering of us. I don't want to spend the last 20 years of my life sick. Well, and I think also there are levels of junk food. I would guess that the average vegan's indulgence is probably a fair bit healthier than the non-vegan's indulgence. This is true. You are having an indulgence, and I am looking right at it. It's in a can, and it looks amazingly like a Coca-Cola. What is this stuff? This is a Zevia. Zevia? Yeah, this is um, trying to combat my admitted addiction to diet colas. So Zevia is made with stevia as a sweetener. So it has no calories. It does have caffeine, which I love. And um, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say it tastes exactly like a Diet Coke or something, but it's a cola. It has caffeine. It's bubbly. It tastes good. They also make, uh, they make root beer and orange soda and some other flavors. Oh, root beer. But it is helping Mm. me uh, get off the... uh, Get off the the diet soda addiction. Good for you. Well, I know stevia, at least when it grows, grows up out of the ground. It's an herb. Yeah, it's a a leaf. uh, It grows in South America, and they make it into a sweetener. You can actually just buy it and put it in your coffee and stuff. It's good. Well, good for you. I have never co-hosted with somebody drinking something quite a bit like a Coke. So you see, you live long enough, different things happen. So you're getting all packed and ready, I guess, just about for your big trip to Africa. Yeah, Africa is finally coming up. We've been planning it a long time. Have you done any research on food in Africa, how you're going to eat? Not much beyond uh, when we were looking at hotels for our short stay in Victoria Falls. uh, We looked at a couple, and Nick said, we're staying at this one. And I said, well, why? Is that one better than the other one? He said, well, look at the menu. It's Indian samosas. Oh. (laughs) I was like, okay, well. I guess that's all uh, all he needs to be happy. And uh, we're doing a canoe tour down the Lower Zambezi, and we let them know about the vegan thing just to ask if that was a problem. And they said it wasn't a problem. I don't think you eat terribly well when you're camping on the Lower Zambezi anyway. So I'm guessing the kind of meat we would have seen would have been more along the lines of spam. So I'm probably lucky to be eating vegetarian in that situation. Oh, you're definitely lucky. No question about that. Well, I'm doing a little traveling, too, certainly not to Africa, but I'm leaving tomorrow for Fort Lauderdale, and I'm going to be attending and speaking at the annual conference of the Natural Health, no, that's not right, National Health Association. I always want to say natural because they believe in natural foods, but it's the National Health Association, and they're going to be having their conference at the Regency Spa, which is a Fabulous, fabulous place where I have been before. It's right on the um, on the ocean, right on the beach, and that's going to be a lovely four days. Couldn't be any hotter than it's been up here in New York or out in the Midwest. 
So that's my plan for tomorrow. And I will be bringing for travel food some dehydrated flax crackers and some wonderful raw cashew cream cheese that I got at Organic Avenue, which is a wonderful place for raw foods and juices here in New York City. You can order whole juice cleanses from them. They're a little bit pricey, but they're just cool. They put everything in glass, and it just seems so pure. They're very beautiful stores. I don't think I've ever actually bought anything there because it is a little expensive. Yeah, it's nice, though. And I also bought some little nibbles from Nibmore Chocolate, Nibmore, N-I-B-M-O-R. It's one of my favorite chocolate companies. And they have these little single-serving chocolate squares for 69 cents that are just so perfect because the truth is that's about how much chocolate a person needs after a meal to feel like the meal has had some punctuation there at the end. So I have a handful of those to take on the plane and I should do just fine. So let's see what else is going on in our world here before we bring on our wonderful guest, John Schlimm. I see in your notes you wrote Dogs with an exclamation. I don't, I don't know what that means, but I like it. Oh, that meant to tell people that we had dogs here in case when William came in, they decided to do a barking salute. Ah, gotcha. Yes. I met a wonderful dog this morning on the subway, little dog named Czar, and the, the person was telling me that the dog comes to work with him every day and just loves to travel in his little, little case, and he was chewing on a, a little towel i guess he has that instead of a bone and i said to the man you are the sort of person who should have a dog and he said yes i know i am so that's nice i wish they would let my dogs to work and on the train and things like that yeah well your dogs are rather sizable well that's not their fault no it's not and i wish they could go on the train as well there's actually a fun and i never thought i would ever say this reality show on tv right now called Dogs of New York. Have you seen it? No. Well, Simone, our friend Simone Reyes, who is um, also on Running Russell Simmons. Simone is Russell Simmons' assistant and, and sidekick and a sincere animal rights advocate. She adopts animals who really, really need homes. So she adopted a blind dog. This dog had actually had his eyes removed. They were diseased. Little dog, little kind of Yorkie-sized dog, although not a Yorkie. I don't know what kind of mix the little dog is. His name is Hubble Yoda, and Simone is very protective of him. So now Simone and Hubble Yoda are on Dogs of New York, and this really wonderful trainer on the, the last episode that I saw was helping socialize little blind Hubble Yoda with other dogs. And you can see why, as a dog mom, if you had a little dog with no eyes. They do okay, though. I've known blind dogs, and I've known deaf dogs, and dogs missing a leg, and it really does not bother them. They are just so great about getting on. Like, I saw the best video the other day. It was um, it was on the animal rescue site. Someone had posted a video of they had two Labradors, and one of them was deaf. And when they wanted to call the deaf dog, they had trained the other dog to run and grab him by the collar and bring him back. Oh, and it was so cute. And the other dog seemed happy to have a job to do. And the deaf dog was like, oh, they need me. Oh, that's just beautiful. They do great. Oh, that's absolutely lovely. What fun to chat with you. Adair Wednesday is my favorite day of the week. 
We're going to be coming up on a little break here, and then I'm so excited to be bringing on our guest, John Schlimm. And you know one of the things that's cool about John Adair? What? He looks like your husband. Back after this break with more of Main Street Vegan. Radio has helped you grow spiritually through programs like this one. Please consider supporting this online radio programming. Visit www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Thank you for helping us continue to serve as the voice of an awakening world. Hello, listeners. Did you know we've gone mobile? That's right. Your favorite Unity online radio programs are available on your mobile device. Now you can take us with you wherever you go. Using apps from Live 365 or Stitcher, you can listen to Unity online radio live or on demand. To learn more, visit www.unity.fm and click on Mobile Listening. The sea, pack your bags and come with me. Hey, hey, what you waiting for? An early winter rendezvous with all the things you love to do. Hey, hey, treat yourself to more. A little more summer, a little more sun, a little less work and a lot more fun. A little more beach, a little more sand, a little less stress and a lot more pain. Join your favorite Unity Online Radio hosts for Cruise in the Caribbean, November 10th to 17th, 2012. On this fun-filled Caribbean adventure, enjoy sunshine, exceptional dining, and island excursions. Feed your spirit with music, message, and meditation, plus one-on-one time with some of your favorite hosts. That's Cruise in the Caribbean, November 10th to 17th, 2012. To learn more, go to unity.fm slash cruise. A little more sunset, a little more sea, a little less do and a lot more Listening to Main Street Vegan with Victoria and Adair Moran. If you have questions or comments about today's topic or any other area of interest, we invite you to like Victoria Moran, author on Facebook, and post your questions and comments. Now, back to Main Street Vegan. I was so proud of myself on the first segment, Adair, that I waited and waited for the full intro. 
And it just totally slipped my mind that there was an intro to the second segment. It was the wrong intro, yes. Is there going to be one for the third segment? I I think we're okay now. Okay. I just don't want to mess up again because, you know, it feels good to do good. Well, too early is better than too late. See, nobody would have known if you hadn't mentioned it. I suppose that's true. Well, this is the flawed but moving forward Victoria Moran, your co-host for Main Street Vegan on Unity Online Radio with my lovely daughter, Adair. And we're here with a wonderful, wonderful guest. I'm so excited to be able to meet this man, certainly voice to voice and hopefully one day in person. John Schlimm is an activist, an artist, and an international award-winning author of such cookbooks as Grilling Vegan Style and The Tipsy Vegan, as well as Twang, a novel, and several other books. He's a member of one of the oldest brewing families in the United States, dating back to the 1870s. You'll have to talk with him about that, Adair, since you and Nick do brewing. John Schlimm has appeared on The Ellen DeGeneres Show, QVC, NPR, Martha Stewart's Everyday Food, and Cable's number one morning show, Fox and Friends. And we are so pleased to have him today on Main Street Vegan on Unity Online Radio. Hey there, John. Hey, you two. I am so excited to be with you, and congratulations on a really super fantastic show. Oh, thank you so much. We're loving doing it, especially when we get to talk to people like you from way out <laughs> there in the wilds of Pennsylvania. So we we both have our beautiful copies of Grilling Vegan Style right in front of us. Mine is open to artichokes with cumin dipping sauce. Now, you know my our book, Main Street Vegan, has an artichoke on the front, so I guess I'm drawn to the artichoke. But I that's love artichokes, sauce. So it looks really good. Yeah, so, you know, it, really, the artichoke itself it looks like a, a piece of art, doesn't it? It's such a beautiful vegetable, as most are. And so it's one of those wonderful pieces to grill with and just cook with in general. So, John, how did you get started on this path? I understand that your family has been brewing for over 100 years, but... How long have you been eating vegetables? (laughs) Well, I have really been eating vegetables since I was born, which is great. But I only transitioned to a plant-based vegan lifestyle a few years ago. Uh, And so it was sort of a slow process up until then. And uh, really, one of the defining moments was when I read Jonathan Safran Foer's uh, Eating Animals. And that's the book that really hit me hard, and uh, specifically on page 266, uh, he was writing about uh, Thanksgiving turkeys and the horrendous treatment and, and torture they go through, and he referred to them as unloved. And when I saw that word, unloved, that's when it all just sort of came down on me. And I, I circled the word, I highlighted the word, and I thought, this is my new mission. I, I never want to forget seeing that word because no living being should ever go through this life uh, unloved, whether they're human, animal, or otherwise. Wow, what a beautiful transformation. So were you already a chef and recipe creator? Yes, I was several cookbooks in by that point. Uh, They were not vegan cookbooks. Uh, You know, most people will remember me from the Ultimate Beer Lovers Cookbook, which is the largest beer cookbook ever published, and that had just come out before. But when I made the transition in my personal life, uh, you know, I have a career that is such with writing cookbooks that 
the career had to change. You know, it was a huge turning point for me personally and professionally. And I, I thought, what better way to sort of make my debut than to add a lot of alcohol to really great vegan food and do the tipsy vegan? Uh, because I'm all about throwing a party in a book, and I want people to have fun. So we love the tipsy vegan. We've used a lot of those recipes. That's a really fun book. Well, you know, it's meant to be a fun book. And, and like I said, it's really, just like Grilling Vegan Style, it's meant to be a party in a book to which everyone is invited. I thought, how great to be able to write a book that all of your guests can enjoy. Because as I'm sure the two of you know, the best kind of parties are those that have all different kinds of people there. That's beautiful. You're reminding me of, of a quotation from Colleen Patrick Goudreau, who's another wonderful vegan author. And she says that, this is paraphrased, but that like her mother, she loves to entertain. The only difference is at her parties, the animals are on the guest list and not on the menu. That's right. I agree. I agree. The same goes for me as well. And, you know, I come from, as you said, the wilds of Pennsylvania, where I am surrounded by the hunting and meat-eating culture, which has really, you know, from an early age, given me a unique perspective on this whole new transition that I've made. And I think I've been able to bring that into these books with an appreciation that meat eaters are not our enemy. I, I think a, a lot of uh, people on our side, unfortunately, tend to see it that way. I don't think we, of course, do, but I think some do. And I'm trying to sort of smash through that stereotype as well. They're, they're not our enemies. In fact, I, I think they can be uh, some of our best friends in helping us to uh, take care of what's going on on some of these factory farms and in other places where animals are being hurt and tortured. And I think that it uh, it's also important that you're talking about things like alcohol and grilling, which are very, very normal. Those are very normal American things. I think a lot of people think that if you're a vegan, you have to become some kind of modern-day hippie, and you can't do something as normal as go out and grill dinner. Absolutely. You know, and there's this ridiculous stereotype that vegan food is blah and tasteless and boring. And that may be the case in other cookbooks and in other places, but I guarantee it will never be the case in my books. And it doesn't have to be the case. I want to sort of smash through those stereotypes and show that it really can be very fun and very flavorful. Well, people are, are picking up on this. Publishers Weekly says that Grilling Vegan Style is one of the top 10 cookbooks for spring 2012. And we're talking all cookbooks, any category, not just vegan or vegetarian. And Veg News Magazine, that we dearly love, named Grilling Vegan Style one of 2012's 10 must-buy vegan cookbooks. And even Fox News, oh my gosh, John, you got to Fox News, named Grilling Vegan Style one of 2012's best summer reads for foodies. That is just incredible. So what made you go from the tipsy vegan to firing up the grill? Well, you know, I'm all about when it comes to writing, as I know you two are, about contributing something new to the discussion. And we see the same types of books being written over and over and over again. And I always want to contribute something new, do something new. There has never been a vegan grilling handbook and cookbook done like this before. There have certainly been vegetarian grilling 
books, but no vegan, which was really surprising to me. And so for me to be able to contribute that to our world and to the larger world uh, in general was just such an honor and a pleasure for me. And what is more fun in the summer than gathering all of your family and friends around a grill and having a few cocktails and just sizzling up some really delicious food? Sounds fun to me. <laughs> and I live so on the fifth bringing floor people of together. <laughs> yeah, and I'm on the fifth floor in Manhattan, so I don't get a lot of that unless my daughter invites me over to her yard. But just... Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, you can make cocktails in an apartment. Well, I suppose I could do that. So, John, a lot of, of our listeners really are foodies. There are people who are fascinated by the art of, of food. And I look at a book like Grilling Vegan Style, it is just chock full, recipe after recipe after recipe. What is the process? How do you come up with all of these? Well, really, the ideas come from everywhere and anywhere. And especially with a book like this, which you know, I set out to create so it stands the test of time, I really want to push the limits. So I love the fact that I think, how can we make popcorn on the grill? How can we translate s'mores to the grill? How can we take watermelon... Uh, you know, people aren't really used to even grilling fruits in general, let alone, you know, this delicious watermelon. Uh, how can we put watermelon on the grill? So it sort of starts with this idea of what can I get away with and what is possible? And I think that's sort of the, the creative and mischievous side of me. And, you know, I just keep pushing until we come up with a solution. And thus we have, uh, you know, s'more is always better, tattooed watermelon salad, and, of course, the popcorn. Well, it's very exciting. But you also have the DIY kebab bar and veggie burger bar. That's my favorite. What's the deal with those? Well, I'll tell you what. I am so excited about this concept of the DIY kebab and burger bar. And I'm hearing from people across the country who are really catching on to this and doing this at their own parties. At parties I throw, I really love to engage the guests in unique ways. So I will set up a bar, uh, of course, separate from the alcohol bar, which is, you know, goes without saying, but I'll set up a bar with a bunch of glass, clear glass bowls, and in them I will have uh, marinated tofu tempeh and seitan, and I'll use the marinades from my Chapter 7. I will have fresh fruits and vegetables from either the local farmer's market or the backyard garden, and I'll let my guests create their own kebabs and put them on the grill. And you know who especially loves doing this? Kids. And I think any way we can get kids, number one, eating, and especially eating healthier, is a really great thing. And the same thing can be done with the burger bar, uh, setting up a variety of different homemade veggie burgers and letting your guests choose which style veggie burger do they want, and then, of course, have all the toppings ready to go for them. So what's a basic veggie burger? Just for somebody listening who's never had a burger that wasn't from a cow? Uh, well, in general, you know, it's obviously a veggie burger is a burger made using a lot of different ingredients that don't involve animal products. In my book, I do an entire chapter of veggie burgers, and, you know, one of the simplest ones is the uh, slip and slider, which is basically just a chickpea or garbanzo bean burger, which also has green onions, uh, some sandwich bread, toasted almonds, uh, coriander, ginger, soy sauce, 
Uh, of course, some extra virgin olive oil. A very basic and easy recipe. You know, I think people think veggie burger, and especially homemade veggie burger, and they think, oh, that's going to be impossible to make. It's not. It's really not. And you can have so much fun, especially when it's, you know, involving chickpeas, adding your own spices and herbs. And I'm all for experimenting in the kitchen. I mean, that's the, the fun part about it, right? You know, cooking should be just as fun as the eating. And for people like my mom mentioned that she's in a little apartment, do you need a big outdoor grill to cook most of these recipes, or can you do it on your little George Foreman grill? Absolutely. And in fact, uh, one of my favorite uh, cooking utensils is the grill pan, which, Victoria, you could easily use in your apartment uh, right on your stovetop, and you can still get those wonderful grill marks. Uh, and, of course, you don't necessarily get that charcoal, uh, smoky flavor, but sometimes our imagination can come into play uh, in that realm. So, you know, these recipes work on any type of grill, any size of grill, and people really need to look at what their specific needs are in terms of a grill and their realities. Uh, do they have a little porch? Uh, do they have a big yard? Or maybe they have a boat. There are now grills specifically made for boats. So you can really have your grill and take it anywhere. Well, that's what you did, Adair, when you went to Seattle for stunt school. Yeah, when I, when I went out to Seattle and had to live in a hotel room for a month, I brought my little George Foreman grill, and I found the nearby little Asian market and got all kinds of strange vegetables. I didn't know what they were and threw them on the grill, and I think I was probably the healthiest person at school. Well, and that's fantastic. You know, that's a great idea for people who are traveling a lot uh, to, to take along the little grill and have in the hotel room with them. I take a little blender and make my super smoothie. Am I a health fanatic or something? Yeah, you are. I am. Okay, well, that's good. When you get to <laughs> be in, my You're age, in good company. <laughs> yeah. Now, your, your book is surprising start to finish, but what is the most surprising thing in grilling vegan style? Well, I think just the range of items that can be thrown on the grill. You know, I'm, again... Uh, one of these types of people that, you know, aside from animal products, obviously, I'm all for throwing just about anything on the grill and trying it at least once. So, you know, strawberries, peaches, uh, coconut, uh, and, of course, the watermelon that I mentioned. I, I think people have been most surprised by the, the fruit that can be grilled. But, of course, the fact that you can also grill salads. Uh, you know, there's a wonderful romaine holiday salad that I have in the book that people are really loving. So you can really have your entire buffet come right off of the grill. The grill could, is literally the new summer buffet line. That is so fascinating because I never grilled, e even as a meat eater. This is, is moment of truth. And I think it's because my family didn't grill when I was growing up. I do remember one outdoor party where they roasted a rabbit on a spit, which I found traumatic and is probably one of the reasons that I went vegetarian. But I also remember at that party that my mother inadvertently impaled a garden slug on her stiletto heel. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> yeah, it was just, I mean, I'm just made to live in an apartment and listen to you all talk about the wonders of the outdoor life. Yeah, we never grilled growing up. And I always thought that I guess vegans couldn't grill because we never did. And all my friends did. It wasn't until I grew up and, you know, my husband's family likes to grill and they always find something to grill for me when I'm there visiting. Yes, it wasn't that you were a vegan. It was that you were a Moran. So, John, just like with the Tipsy Vegan, 
you write your vegan cookbooks so they will appeal to everybody, regardless of what their diet is. Why is that so important to you? Because, again, I'm all about reaching out to everyone, including everyone, and really reaching across the aisle to, you know, the meat eaters who have I'm surrounded by here in my small hometown, and I have that appreciation for them and the understanding that, you know, this is, this is a process that comes in baby steps. And I'm always surprised to hear from people in my small little town who come up to me and say, I'm really cutting back on the amount of meat I'm eating. And that, that's something I never expected to hear from my small town friends. I, I, but it's a wonderful thing, and it really does show that this is all moving in the right direction. And that's one of the reasons why I also set out to make my cookbooks what I call small-town friendly. Because, again, we're all aware of those cookbooks and those recipes that have ingredients that seem so rare and obscure that you can only find them in some little health food store on the moon or something. You know, I want my ingredients to be able to be easily accessible to my family and friends in a small town. I want them to be able to go to our supermarkets and on occasion our liquor store and find everything they need. And if not, I can at least give them the direct links for door-to-door service. So it's just very important for me to include everybody. Well, I think the... uh the really great thing about that is not only are those ingredients accessible, but those tend to also be affordable ingredients. You know, a lot of highly specialized things can get expensive. So I think that's great that you have, you have books of stuff that regular people can afford to make. Well, that's right. And I think if we are going to work to encourage and convince uh, our friends who are meat eaters that, you know, there is nothing crazy or weird or strange about a vegan lifestyle... Uh, we can do that by using everyday ingredients that they probably already have in their refrigerator. And yeah. that's another thing. A lot of uh, people who are reading my book who are meat eaters, and I'm happy to say a lot of meat eaters are really loving grilling vegan style, uh, they're coming up to me and they're saying, these really are just regular recipes. This is just regular, delicious food. And I'm like, yes, that is, that is- the point. That is such an important concept. Whenever people say, I don't think I like vegan food, they mean they don't like tofu. They don't mean they don't like apples or or peanut butter sandwiches. Or they don't like salads made of iceberg lettuce. Yeah. (laughs) It's all vegan. It's all good. We need to take a break, and then we're going to come back and talk about some of the deeper aspects of John Schlimm like these interesting dedications in both your books. So please stay with us. We will be back after the break with more of Main Street Vegan on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. What if you could experience vibrant health, help heal the planet? And be a great friend to God's animal kingdom through simple choices you make at breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Authors Victoria and Adair Moran say you can do this easily, affordably, and deliciously in their new book, Main Street Vegan. Everything you need to know to eat healthfully and live compassionately in a real world. Loaded with practical tips, straightforward information, and fabulous recipes, Main Street Vegan will help you on your journey toward a plant-based diet. The perks include more energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, feeling younger as you grow older, and maybe even a boost to your spiritual life. 
purchased Main Street Vegan from BN.com, Amazon.com, or your favorite bookseller. In a world that accepts mediocrity, conformity, and limitation, we are being called to shatter previously held beliefs about what is possible and live bigger, bolder, and more outrageously. As we explore cutting-edge ideas, people, teachings, and practices, we will settle for nothing less than a life lived with passion and purpose. Join Reverends Robin Ryder and Robin Ferguson live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central Time and explore what it is like to live your life out loud. Rebels with a Cause, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. For tuning in for Main Street Vegan. Here are your hosts, Victoria and Adair. Welcome back, everybody, to our final segment of, of today's show on Main Street Vegan. You can still get a call in if you'd like, 888-558-6489. I also want to tell you where to find everybody. You can check out Adair and me and our work at MainStreetVegan.net. And our guest today, John Schlimm, author of The Tipsy Vegan and Grilling Vegan Style, can be found at johnschlimm.com, and you spell Schlimm, S-C-H-L-I-M-M, johnschlimm.com. And he's also just John Schlimm on Twitter. I love Twitter. It's short. I prefer Facebook. Well, takes all kinds. Just before we, we continue, there is a congratulations that needs to be made, and that is to Adair for getting her New York State Wildlife Rehabilitator Certification. Hooray! Thank you. That's fabulous. Now you can legally help pigeons. Yes, apparently I went to my final interview, and, and he said he's going to tell Albany that I am sane and then they'll be sending me my license. Oh, that's exciting. That is the best thing to come out of Albany in a long time. Now, speaking of animals and helping animals, John, the dedications in both the Tipsy Vegan and Cooking Vegan style are the same. And they say to all the animals, so you know that you have not passed this way unloved. Oh, my gosh, that's beautiful. And I'm sure it's connected to what you told us earlier about the line in Jonathan Safran Foer's Eating Animals. What's your relationship with the other creatures with whom we share this planet? You know, not a day goes by that I don't just simply send love out to really all living beings, but specifically what I call my friends on the factory farms, my animal friends on the factory farms. Because I think, as with the two of you, the plight of those animals really weighs heavily on us. And I think, you know, what is something that I can do right here and now, aside from just living a plant-based vegan lifestyle, aside from writing the cookbooks, and it's, you know what, I can simply send love out to them. I can send that positive energy out to them and, uh, you know, sort of wrap my arms around each and every one of them and just hope that on some level, if even for a split second, 
they feel that love during their lifetime. And that's really important to me. Oh, that's nice. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's beautiful. Because really, beyond what we can do in the practical way, we can do a lot in a spiritual way. That's Um, right. That's right. And, you know, it ha- and I-, I love that whole concept of uh, spirituality, and it-, and it really is not, it doesn't have anything to do necessarily with religion or anything as structured as that. Uh, it's really just about sending out that love and positive energy and really, again, just wrapping your arms around those animals and, and in that way at least taking their journey uh, with them. Uh, from start to finish, and I, and I think it's it's a great uh, practice in who we are as human beings to be able to do that and be connected to them and in the world in a larger way like that, and to really embrace compassion. You know, I'm really big about uh, embracing compassion in every aspect of our lives. When you said that about sending the love to the animals on the factory farms, I was thinking about, gosh, I wonder about being big enough spiritually to send the love to the whole farm, (laughs) the workers as well as the animals, and really, really get that love and understanding going and see what that could do to change the world. Well, and you know, one of the uh, sort of, I guess, meditative practices that I sometimes do because I travel a lot, like both of you, as I'm on that plane, uh, I think, you know, at some point on that plane, no matter where I'm flying, I'm going to be flying directly over a factory farm, uh, or two, or three, or four of them. And again, you know, just being conscious of that, mindful of that, and again, sending that love and just uh, knowing that the universe is going to take that love exactly where it needs to go uh, really is a comfort to me, and, uh, and hopefully it's going to be a comfort to, in some way to those animals on a level that perhaps my mind can't wrap itself around at the moment beyond knowing that it just is. Mm. I feel that we're part of a really, really powerful movement right now. The other night we had a, an alumni call of the first group of graduates of Main Street Vegan Academy, which is a program that I run to train vegan lifestyle coaches. And as I was listening to what these people are doing and how they're starting their businesses and they're reaching out in their communities one woman isn't doing it as a business she's doing it on a volunteer basis with people who don't have means and I just had this sense this must be what it felt like to be working with the abolitionists or or the suffragettes or the civil rights activists in the 50s and 60s people who were really in on the ground floor of changing this world for the better it's very exciting time and oh, something. That's mm-hmm. Well, I was just going to say, and, and relevant to that, is you just did the most amazing thing recently. You were invited to be the commencement speaker at the University of Pittsburgh at Bradford. Now, we always think of commencement speakers as politicians or maybe CEOs, but when the university president introduced you, he commented on how unique it seemed to have a vegan cookbook author delivering a university commencement. What did you say? 
<laughs> well, you know, I, I think he got a kick out of both announcing the vegan cookbook part and the the brewing family part, uh, both of which I, I think appealed to the students who, you know, I was so honored because it was the students that specifically requested I speak. And, and, and standing up in front of these hundreds of beautiful faces in, in, in this rare moment before they're about to go out into this crazy, wonderful world of ours, uh, you know, one of the main themes in my speech was, again, embracing compassion at every point in our lives. And, uh, you know, I spoke a lot about that and, and talked about how compassion really is this beautiful word that's made up of two interlocking words, compass and passion. Compass, our direction, and passion, our hopes, our dreams, and using those two to really make the world a better place. And, uh, you know, to, to again watch their faces, because I don't think they had necessarily heard something like that before, uh, really inspired me as well and showed just what a difference we can make one person and one animal at a time. Very nice. And actually, your speech is on YouTube. I'll put the link to that on the blog on MainStreetVegan.net. So if anybody wants to check that out, you'll have the YouTube link. And um, just as if you are graduating, you can hear John Schlim talk to you about compassion and maybe some good food, too. Oh, that would be great. And, you know, when I heard the two of you talking about your upcoming travels, I, in uh, three weeks, am going with some friends to Hawaii, and I'm going to be swimming with the dolphins, which I am so excited about, uh, because I think, you know, there are these dolphins out there right now that I'm going to get to cross paths with in the most beautiful way and in in their world. And, And, again, it just, when you talk about the interconnectedness of this universe and of all living beings, I I really feel that I'm going to have an amazing moment experiencing that with those dolphins. The dolphins are incredible. They just seem practically human, and they're so fun and so playful. You're going to have a great time. I know. I feel like I'm just going to want to hug each one of them, which I don't think they're going to appreciate. Oh, they might. Now, John, I've got to ask you a family question. Your father used to be a butcher, and he operated a meat processing business. How does he feel about this turn your life has taken? (laughs) Well, you know, my parents have always been very supportive of everything I've done. And, uh, of course, when I first announced to them that I was giving up meat, you know, and up until that point, the the meat portions on my plate uh, were getting smaller and smaller and smaller, and I don't think they really noticed that. Uh, But when I finally announced that this is it, uh, their first reaction was one that is pretty standard across the board. They said, well, this isn't healthy. And uh, so I explained to them, the last person who wants to do anything that's going to hurt my health is me. so it's been, it's been a slow process, but they've been supportive. And, uh, you know, they certainly haven't been preachy about it. And even they have started now eating more fruits and vegetables. I, I don't think I'll ever convince either of them to be completely transformed. But, again, you know, those baby steps are very powerful, and especially across generations like that. And, uh, you know, I think it's a thing that we lead by example. But, yeah, it, it was certainly a, there was a little bit of a learning and experiential curve there. Well, you have a lovely way about you, and so I'm sure if anybody has to introduce them to eating in this way, they're fortunate that it is their charming son who can do that. So do you have a final word in our last minute, something for food or being an activist or what you would love our listeners to know from you? 
I think the most important thing that I am all about, whether it is as an activist, as an author, artist, whatever, is just please embrace compassion in every aspect of your lives. I think that's Mm. the most important thing I can get across. That is so lovely. Thank you so much, John Schlimm, for being our guest today on Main Street Vegan on Unity Online Radio. You can find John at John Schlimm, S-C-H-L-I-M-M.com. The book is Grilling Vegan Style, and you can learn more on our site, MainStreetVegan.net. Be back with us next week. We're going to have Marissa Miller-Wolfson from the fabulous film Vegucated. Eat your veggies. God bless. Thank you for listening to Main Street Vegan. Join us every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time as Victoria and Adair Moran entertain, educate, and inspire you on your vegan journey. This program is sponsored by Main Street Vegan. To learn more about Victoria and Adair or to explore training with Main Street Vegan Academy as a vegan lifestyle coach, go to www.mainstreetvegan.net. That's www.mainstreetvegan.net. Is there a difference between the spiritual teachings you know and how you live your life? Does your day-to-day experience reflect what you truly value? Are you ready to receive your life and live the gift that you are? Join Janice Campbell, licensed Unity teacher, author, and coach each week as she shares inspiration and tools to help you identify and dissolve the limiting beliefs that prevent you from living the fullest expression of what you are. Talk with Janice live every Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Central on Receive Your Life, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Inspiration only takes a moment. Take a moment now to reflect on these words from Reverend Joan Gattuso. According to an ancient Hindu teaching, if you can only speak the truth and tell no lies, either minuscule or outrageous, for 12 consecutive years, you can attain enlightenment. A noble being will always tell the truth. Do you? Begin now with the first step of simply noticing if you do tell the truth immediately or if your first instinct is to alter the facts a bit. Resolve to be honest with yourself and others starting today. And after 4,383 days, you just may become enlightened. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. Do you think you know all you want to know about the characters in the Bible? Do you know who could be called the king who loved too much? Or what it means to be a Jezebel? Or that the best love story in the Bible begins with the declared commitment of two women? The Bible's symbolic meaning can help you transform your life and discover the presence and power of God within you. Find out what these characters can teach you about your own life today by tuning into Biblical Power for Your Life. 
Each week, co-hosts Reverends Karen Tudor and E.J. Niles present a Bible character from a historical, cultural, psychological, and symbolic perspective. Your comments and questions are part of this lively discussion. Tune in every Thursday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, and power up your life only at Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. I'm Liz Winter and I have been a medium and a spiritual development teacher for over 30 years. On my podcast, All Aboard the Mediumship, I want to share the message with you that there is a wealth of love and comfort available to you from the spirit world. On my podcast, you can experience this comfort and peace for yourself through gentle guided meditations and helpful messages. Make sure you subscribe and follow so you never miss an episode. Part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network.